Today we begin a new series that has great importance for the life of our church family. Together we are asking the question, what's next? It's a question that I believe we all need to be continually asking in our own lives because it focuses us on the reality that there is always a next step for us to take. It reminds us that a life of mission and vision can easily become one of aimlessness and wandering. It's also a question that over the past four decades, the leaders of this church family have continually asked to help prepare for the future. Who we are today is a reflection of the bold steps of faith that those leaders took in response to that critical question. We begin today with a special guest preacher, senior pastor of First United Methodist Church of Mansfield from 1995 to 2015, the Reverend Mike Ramsdale. Pastor Mike will share more about how this church responded to that critical question in the early years of his ministry here. Don't forget that next Sunday, April 22nd at 3 p.m. in our sanctuary, we will be sharing with our entire church family the plans developed by our building planning team with the input of all of our leadership teams in response to this question so that we can be ready for the future God is preparing for us. I hope you will make every effort to be a part of this important presentation as together we prayerfully consider this challenging question. What's next? Good morning, First Methodist Mansfield, the cornerstone of the well and the well cafe. So glad you're here today. Cool morning, but nice morning. It's a good day. Spring's about to finally come, hopefully, this coming week. I've been waiting for it a while, but it's going to get here. Uh, as pointed out, I arrived in 1995, and I'll add to this, I am not retired. Uh, my wife will tell you, he ain't retired. I often ask that, how's retirement going? And I'm thinking, I would be so tired if I was retired. Uh, we're still very busy. Uh, we've moved actually three times in two years. Uh, changed my role in ministry uh, three times in two years. So it's been a, a very what's next time for us. God's worked in it in many ways. Uh, superintendent for a while of a, of a Fort Worth area, a larger Fort Worth area. And I work with as a center director for uh, evangelism, church growth, and mission which is a new role being added here July 1st uh, for really a large part of Texas. So that's kind of a new thing for us. Several hundred churches and about 400 pastors. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. Again, we arrived in 1995. Uh, we bought a fax machine. That was a big deal. Uh, the way we communicated at that time was by phone and also by post office. That was the way we shared together, pre-Facebook, pre-internet, uh, pre-email, pre-everything. The world has changed dramatically. There was one high school, which wasn't full, uh, and today there's five 
high schools and probably about 25 more coming down the road, I'm guessing. They're, every time you turn around, they're popping up with a new high school. And that's been a story of change, shift, new energy, anxiety, all of that. But the question today, though, is simply about God. We're, we're focusing now for a few minutes about God. Pastor David asked me to do this some time ago. Uh, he's doing a wedding in California. I said, I'm happy to do that. So he said, please come talk about what's next. Tell a few stories about how we got where we are in those years. I'm going to try to do that. But first I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 9. That church, this church, every church. And in the reading of these words, hear God speak to us. Hear what God might be saying to you, not just the Apostle Paul or what's the Bible saying, what is God saying to you and me in our own life, my own personal life, uh, my, my marriage in my case, family, church, ministry, life, all of it. And hear God speak today, would you? What, after all, is Apollos? He was a preacher in that time. What is Paul? Only servants to whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the, water, and the one who waters have one purpose. And they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. We are, we are God's co-workers in God's service, you are God's field, God's building. May we pray. Heavenly Father, bless us today in our time of worship, our own lives and families and circumstances, the needs we have every day, God. May your miracles flow in and through us and beyond us in the life of this church and the world we live in to serve. Our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. Been here a couple months, maybe uh, two months. And the church really at that time had no mission statement, vision statement, no logo, nothing like that had been created yet. And so we kind of developed one of those. And I actually found the other day in my house an old cup I've been using for a while on occasion that you can't really see any of the writing on it anymore. There's a little bit of red here from what used to be a cross in flame. And, and the wording has all been, has all faded to almost nothing. And that is, was a cup we gave to uh, new members and, and often first-time visitors to our church back in 1995. And the words were celebrating, serving, and becoming. Uh, celebrating God's grace, serving in his spirit, becoming Christ's disciples were those words. They guided us for a number of years. They always got the church in one way or the other, but they were the official statement that guided us. Now I want you to note how, how faded it is and how, how it slowly through the years has simply died. And that's all right. In life, things are always dying. Something new is being born. Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, nothing new can be born. And that's how God works in us and for us in our life everlasting life. It's just simply how it works and how God designed us. Now, now recently, uh, First Mansfield came up with a new one that some of you have seen, if not everybody has seen, and here's the new cup. Now, I will compare the two cups. You know, this, this cost, I remember, about a dollar, a dollar 15 cents. We, we were cheap back then and uh, <laughs> then like, you know, so we, we went cheaper. That came from China, I'm pretty sure. Now we have these Yeti cups. 
you know, uh, and it's, 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 it's blue and uh, it's, it's got stainless steel inside, hot or cold, has a lid on it too that you can put on there to keep it from spilling. It's a pretty darn fancy cup. Uh, and it has the, the, the new kind of logo, which you may have seen. If not, hopefully a little bit you can see it right here. Well and Well Cafe and, and Cornerstone. Uh, it, it, it is a cross, is here. Uh, it also is taken kind of from the stained glass windows behind me up at the top, uh, with that kind of image there, that cross image in the blue. It speaks of the four faith communities here, uh, Cornerstone, the Well, Well Cafe, Traditions, these services, and Celebrate Recovery. It speaks of these faith communities that we have, uh, and it kind of talks about the, the life of the church in a very visual way. And, of course, we're trying also to love God, love others, and serve the world. That's kind of that mission that drives the church today. And that's, that's what's birthing, being born. Uh, that's the new where we're going and the church is going together. And so we see how those changes have happened. And that's what's supposed to happen. That should always be happening. And this should always be happening. This should be being born. This should be dying. In my life. In my, in my family, in my own journey, in my experience, you know, my family, what's being born? What new? Where's God working? What is God doing? Where's God calling? Where's God changing? Where's God transforming? Where's God moving and can I follow that change or do I choose not to? I see many churches today, and I work with churches all the time in this category. It's my job, really, in many ways, to work with churches that may either be declining are stagnant a little bit, uh, should be doing maybe more, have more potential, it's not happening. And so uh, and that's real common in churches around the country, especially today. And so I find myself doing that. And, and what I discover sometimes is people love talking about what used to be instead of talking about what is next. If I ask them, how is it going in your church? They start talking about what used to be, how many people used to be here, how things were wonderful the other day in the past, or they want to show you their stained glass or, or show you pictures on a wall or show you a, a monument that's somewhere in the church grounds, I know that church is in trouble. Because they should be saying, let me tell you about our mission. Here's what we're doing. Here's the difference we're making. Here's the people we're reaching. Here's how we're growing. Here's a world that we're serving in these unique ways. I want to hear that. If I don't hear that, I know, okay, I've got a job to do here. Well, chances are that's why I'm there in the first place. Churches that are doing that don't call me because they don't need me for anything. They're already into. They're already living out. They're already excited about the what's next in the world they're living in and how God leads them so clearly that way. When we arrived, the sanctuary was what it was, what it was now, the, the chapel and where the well worship and CR recovery is. Uh, in those years, it had a uh, uh, popcorn ceiling and also had, also had ceiling fans. You could not turn the ceiling fans off. If you did, the ceiling would start falling down into the floor. And on Sunday morning, one of my tasks many times was get the vacuum out, vacuum it up, get ready for church. That's how we prepared for those things. And, and, and we served there in that church and, and lived that out. And that's how it happened. That, in that same space, uh, we had a brand new, that started just before I arrived in 95, a new, at that time, 945 worship service, which we said was contemporary. It was not. Uh, the, the idea of contemporary was the pastor would come in and would not wear his robe. <laughs> 
That was the only, and there was no choir. Uh, they sang hymns. It was just the same. I couldn't tell the difference, you know, with temporary. And temporary was kind of new back then anyway. And they also roped off most of the sanctuary uh, with white ropes, left only a few seats available because about 20 to 30 people maybe came to that service. And they wanted to rope it off, everybody to sit together, force them to sit in the front rows together, you know, and hold hands, I guess, or whatever they hope is going to happen in this season. Uh, and I thought that was a bad idea. Uh, we're never going to grow if we rope it all off, you know. <laughs> And, and people want to sit where they want to sit. I'm not going to tell them. I sit where my wife tells me to sit. I'm not going to tell anybody else where they should sit. I don't know if Rhonda's here or not. She's in church somewhere today, maybe in this service. And so I, I, I said, Herman, who I did Herman's funeral some years later, he and his wife, both their funerals, great people of God, a man and woman of God. But he was stubborn about that. He said, we've always roped it off. It's only been around 18 months. How can we always have roped it off? We always roped it off. And I could not persuade him not to do it. So I told uh, Penny uh, sometime uh, later, I said, Penny, would you hide those ropes this week? Just hide them and don't tell me where you hit them. (laughs) So when he asked, and he did ask, I could say, I have no idea where they are. (laughs) I don't know what happened to them, you know. Uh, and, and And it started filling up with people. Very rapidly in that season, in that, and what is now again uh, the well and the chapel, eventually moved, transferred over here and continued to grow as we have today. Though it's now 9.30 instead of 9.45. That's who we are in, in understanding life and, and church. And in that same season, right after that, we had a meeting in uh, the parsonage, which at that season was a house about uh, maybe uh, 200 yards from here in between what used to be twigs, or a, a flower shop, and Aristide. Uh, it's now an office complex. That's where, where, where our home was. And so we lived there uh, in what was, it, what was in the parsonage. And we had a meeting of about 20 people in our church. Uh, and they were a lot of the leaders, uh, a lot of committee leadership and other influencers and arbitrarily kind of picked out 20 folks to come together and we met. And we talked about the, what's next. What's next in our church? And we prayed about it. We said, God, give us a sense of what that should be. Where, where should we go? What's, how, what, who should we become? Are, are we happy where we are? Because at that time, the church was already growing. We were, new people were coming in. It, seemed pretty, it felt pretty good. You know, we could say, hey, this is enough. This is as far as we need to go. I mean, we'll just live this out. And, and we, we, we set goals there. And our goal was to one day have 1,000 people in worship together on, on a weekend, 1,000 people. Uh, and we hope to have 3,000 members. Uh, we have about seven to 8,000 today, but in that season it would have been uh, 1,000. We hope to get 3,000 one day, you know. And we thought one day we might build a new sanctuary in the years to come. That might happen. Uh, and we so uh, low-balled our goal. We were so below, what we, what we, but we did begin to allow God to say, let me, do, let me give you the what's next. But you've got to plant You've got to water. I leave it to you to get it going. I'm going to let you do that in your own personal life and how you grow in your faith, in the life of your family, in the life of the church, and the kingdom of God in the world. God says, some water, some so. I'll make it grow, but you've got to do that part. And so we begin doing that part, and things begin to change rapidly. And I'll give you the first verse today we're going to look at. Each one has a role given to them by the Lord. Each one has a role that God has given you. The church works because everyone in it bends the knee to Jesus Christ. I would believe that most of you are here because somewhere in your life, 
you either knelt or bowed your head or looked up, however you did, said, Jesus, it's you now. God, you're the center now. It's about what you will and want now, about what you want to grow now, and that got you here in church today, and so here you are. Singing Oceans, one of my favorite songs, Oceans. Uh, love that song about life and faith. been my experience the last few years for sure. Uh, but that brought you here. That's how the church works. In those years, for 10 years straight, we had three back-to-back capital funding campaigns. Uh, the first two were three years running. The last was four years. Uh, and they built where we, what we have today. The mission center, of two phases there. Uh, this sanctuary, then an expansion some years later. Uh, the A&E Family Life Center over here with all the spaces for youth and so many others on this side built that. Uh, and then processed beyond that to, uh, to build all the parking lot we have around us and, and other things as well. We expanded some of our facilities and more things happen as well. But in all of that, uh, we did that and raised millions of dollars and built millions of, I figured about $12 million worth of buildings is what uh, it was in those days. Uh, now, if you look at uh, people that, that help churches, consultants raise money, uh, who help do capital funding campaigns, work with churches and, and developing these things, they will all tell you the same thing. You can't do that. It's impossible for a church to do three of those campaigns, major building projects back to back, People will say, no way, not this time. I'm tired of that. I'm not giving this year. And that never happened. People continue to give and continue to build. Can you look, think about what's next for that 10-year journey that culminated around, around 2006 when we finally moved into the sanctuary expansion that's here today, which is more than 10 years ago. That's how God worked in those years, miraculously, because people said, okay, I'll, I'll plant our water, and God made it grow. Why? How? Where'd that come from? Jesus tells an amazing story. We don't think of it as amazing, but it is. He talks about the hundred sheep the shepherd has. Uh, that's the livelihood of the shepherd, the life of the shepherd, the, the food of the shepherd, the family, uh, meaning the family needs of a shepherd. So it's a huge thing uh, for to have a hundred sheep back in that season. In those years when Jesus was walking this earth. And it says the shepherd lost one sheep. And Jesus asked, what did the shepherd do? He went looking for the one. None that he had, they're safe in the fold, they're good, they got it. They're in the right place. There's one that's not. Maybe it broke its leg. Maybe it's lodged in a crevice. Maybe it simply got lost, but we're going to go find. And the shepherd goes looking for that lost sheep. Please hear me now. That he's saying the shepherd's life now was built around the lost sheep and not the 99. What an amazing shift. The church must be built around the lost sheep. And not the 99 or the 1,000 or 3,000 that we have. That's where the life of growth happens. And again, I see churches many times that are not doing that and they decline and die in that journey. And no new life is born because they have difficulty sometimes jumping on board with, it's about the lost sheep, not about my friends that sit with me in church or those that are in my class or those that I go to dinner with. It's about those that don't know Christ yet. Today, the term we use a lot is called duns and nuns. 
It's a real popular term. Many books written on it right today where there is a generation of nuns that are coming up today that simply have no connection with Jesus Christ at all, did not grow up in church, and it's not part of their life any way, shape, or form. And they're everywhere you want to look throughout America and even the world. There's also the group called the Duns, those who might have grown up in church, often not coming very much, but enough, where they said, enough of this. And they simply say, I'm done with church. I'm going to live my life without this, this Jesus thing or faith thing or Bible thing. So the church that succeeds builds around the duns and the nuns, where God is going to grow his church in the future. Those who interact with the what's next in that way are going to be effective. In that same time that Jesus talked about the, the shepherd and the lost sheep, he also talks about the widow with the, with the coins, and she drops one, and you know, coins will roll when they hit the floor, and they rolled somewhere in her house. She could not find them, and she said, forget the coins I have. I'm going to set them down. I'm going to go over here and get my broom, and with my broom, I'm going to sweep around so I can sweep up where that coin is. I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not going to sit down until I find the one that I've lost. And her life becomes totally committed to the lost coin, the one who doesn't know Christ, the one who does not have faith, the one who has no people around who love them and can teach them and be an example of what it is to be a Christian, doesn't have that, or a place to serve and give and love and all that makes life work in the life of the church. And it becomes built around that truth. The church moves around forward into that What's next? It's, it's about the broom. It's about finding the lost sheep by sweeping for the lost coin. That's how it works. The scripture goes on to say that I planted, as Paul writes, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Please look at that carefully. That when it says here that this, this is us, you know, somewhere we are the ones that plant. God says that's yours to do. Uh, we water. Somewhere that's ours to do. But God makes it grow or made it grow. That's what God will do. But see the partnership? In my life, that's true. I, God's not, God will not make faith grow in me until I place my faith in him. Uh, I can't grow personally until I pick up a Bible and read it and come to church and worship. When I do that, God makes faith grow in me and my discipleship grows and I become more like Christ and my life is more full with the joy and peace of what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It's true for the church just as well. If churches don't plant in water, then they begin to die and there's nothing to grow. God looks down and says, I wish, I hope, maybe, but not till. God makes it grow. And we bought a new home a few weeks ago. I actually moved back into the Mansfield community. My wife decided where she wants to live and we retire one day. And, and it's close by where I can still go to my office where I'm working today uh, by Texas Wesleyan University. And so we found a house here not long ago. And the house has three areas in the backyard that has banana plants. We've always wanted banana plants, but we never had them. My wife's from Key West, Florida. She loves the tropical feel. I do too. And so, uh, but we came in March 30th and there was nothing there but just flat and some little stubs of what bananas used to be. So everything is, looks dead, just dead as it can be. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm hoping that they're going to grow. Now, I did some Google research on this and my research said sometime in the wintertime in Texas, they can die. It may get cold enough and we got cold a couple times. It may kill them. Other times, if there's too much water, 
on them. They may rot. So they may not come back up. And I thought, I really want my bananas to grow. And so beginning that day, Rhonda will tell you, if you see her, my wife here, she'll tell you every day I went out there and looked to see if they were growing. I'd go out there and say, well, not today. And I'd try another day. No, no, every day, sometimes more than once. No, no banana trees, no, none yet. And after a few weeks, had some warm days, and I saw one little green shoot come up. And I ran, Rhonda, Rhonda, is, they're growing over there in that group. There, there's one right there that they're not going to die. And, and I kept going out, waiting for the other groups. And this one over here, oh, there's one over there. Now there's two over here. I would actually count. There's seven bunches coming up here. I would actually count how many there were because it was important to me. These banana plants are going to grow. Now in the corner here where there's not much sun, no bananas. Three or four weeks, not even one little shoot. Uh, and I tell, well, Rhonda, they're dead over there. They're not going to come up. How sad that is. We won't have any banana plants there. Uh, and, and then one day, about a week ago, I thought, there's one. They're going to be okay. They're, they're, go they're, they're going to grow uh, and there, there is, a, is the miracle, the miracle of life that God created because I can't do that. I can't make them grow. I can't make the green happen. I can't make the, the leaves. And I can't do any of that. But I can go out there and water them as I had, put some fertilizer for them today, and somebody before me planted them before we purchased the house. Brian Gow, many of you know Brian. That's the house we purchased. Who planted them back there? That's how we live. That's how it works. That's how God wants it to work. This new life comes. God makes it grow. And the miracle is here. What miracle is in the church now? What miracle is in your life? What miracle is in you? What miracle is in your family, your marriage? What miracle is in your journey? What miracle is in this church? There are many, many, many have grown and are growing. But there's more. God knows what it is. We have to plant. Uh, we have to water. And the miracle happens in that case. Neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything. But the one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who is anything is God. I think sometimes if I sit down or churches down and say, God, it's about you. What do you want? What's your will for my life? What's your purpose for my experience? What do you, what do you want from me? What do you want from my, my journey as a Christian? What do you want for this church that God's called me to be a part of, that I have a role in? What, what is that going to be? What is that is a huge question to ask for you and me. Uh, the one who is anything, God makes it grow. When the building committee met to build the very first sanctuary, which you're in right now, we expanded it some years later, added about 600 seats in that season. I'm going to seat about 750. And I went to almost all the meetings. There were a few here that were actually on that building committee. Uh, and I, I, I went to, and one of the very last meetings, I arrived very late. And there they had just voted and made a decision. That decision was this. It was either uh, 50 parking places or a steeple. Steeple and the parking places cost about the same amount, which was lots of money to do, especially in that season, it was a lot of money. And I thought, we can't do that. And so I said, can we revisit the vote? 
and said, okay, you're the pastor. I guess we have to revisit the vote. So we said, let's revisit the vote. And so we did. And I explained as carefully as I could, steeple is nice. But people drive by and say, what a nice steeple that church has. Now, if you'll note, we have no steeple up there. We have a cross because it was cheap. Not because necessarily the other reason. It was just cheap. Uh, and so the cross is going to work. Okay, we'll go. It's six foot, by the way. It doesn't look that big up on the roof of the church, but six foot. Put a cross instead of a steeple. People will drive by and say, isn't that pretty? But they won't come and park and join us and grow in their faith, which is why we're doing what we're doing. And so we had a unanimous vote to change that to the parking lot. And that section of parking, right there, from right there to right there. If you park there, that's where that came from. We built more parking later on, but that's where we kind of started some of that journey. We'd only had this side and, you know, the growth could not have been what it was if we had done that. That's how God works. It's about God, God's heart, the lost sheep, the lost coin, building around that and celebrating that. Next verse. The one who plants and the one who waters work together. We each have a role. We also work together. I love the word together. Let me explain though together a little bit. We might misdefine what that is. We had a couple in a church and they retired the same day, worked at the same company, been there about 35 years. Uh, and they decided the first day they were going to have so much fun together. Word together. Uh, they were going to work in the yard together for the first time. They go out there and work together, you know, the, the mower and the weed eater and the trowel and what trimmers and all the things that go with that spring together work. And I asked her, and I was talking to his wife, how'd that go for you? She said, let me tell you how it went. At lunchtime, we decided you to the backyard, out of the front yard. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do from now on. <laughs> Their idea together was you're in the front you're in the back, and let me tell you, that's just fine. It's not about anything but the mission, the vision, the purpose. Together, we're going to make our yard beautiful. That's what we want to do, and so that's what they did. And they, they're probably still doing that today, you know, in their life in, in a town that's not this one. You know, where is my place? What, what's my role? What is God calling me to do? How do I fit in this? And part of it is being here today, worshiping God together and singing and greeting uh, any guests that might be here. Part of it is that. Part of it is giving each week that you're here. Uh, part of it is giving other ways. Part of it is giving to a capital campaign if it comes to that. Uh, what's next may be that. And whatever case it is, it's that this is what I'm going to do, working together and how we serve and, and lead and love in the way we are people of God. When I came back from an event uh, about eight or nine years ago called The Leading Edge, while I was there I had time to pray and I had time to, to focus. And in that focusing time, I came back to the church, talked to our staff and said, we're going to build five new faith communities the next five years, one a year in that season. And I brought that from heaven down to earth, you know, to, to, to the staff. You know, it's a little traumatic for them. For me too as well, knowing what that was going to take. It took creating four new worship spaces. We already had one, but to add three to, to that. Uh, the Well Cafe came from that. The Well came from that. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 the children's area of worship came from that. And the building done in there that you may have seen. All that happened then from that season of working. They were going to create all those things. And we're going to expand our mission uh, tenfold. We probably expanded it a thousandfold in the next few years. And those new things created and allowed 
Four, uh, a thousand more people came to worship in, that, in those years with those services and how we came together and being the church and becoming the church and working as the church uh, and how God worked. Finally, we are God's co-workers and you are God's field, God's building. We are God's co-workers and you are God's field and God's building. I know a church, when I work with a church, it's in trouble when they talk about what used to be instead of what's next. Someone's life, no matter how old they are, their conversations about what used to be instead of what is next. They talk about what used to be in family or marriage instead of what's next. I know they're either in trouble or going to be in trouble soon. The life that God works is what is dying, but what is being born. Uh, what God has done, we celebrate and give thanks for. What is God doing in my life today? How is God working in my relationships today? How is God working and moving in the church today? What's next? That's where the life is, the miracle is, that we water and we plant together as a church, as God's co-workers in God's field, God's building that Jesus would call the kingdom of God, interact with the community interacts with the world, interacts with one another, interacts with the nuns and duns and the new and those still moving in, built around those people. What are their needs going to be? What are their questions? What are their concerns? What are their worries? What are their fears? What are their experiences? And how do we interact with that, with the good news of Jesus Christ? And what kind of building or what kind of worship or what kind of anything do we need to be able to make that work well? That's what defines us. So in that season that we're talking about today that David asked me to share with you about a little bit, uh, uh, that on, our experiences then, uh, we built the first sanctuary that you're in right now uh, and, and the Wellwell Cafe can see from where they are when they step out. Uh, we built this, uh, it, was a, it was a frightening time for me because I was leading the church into a tremendous debt, uh, tremendous debt that's always scary personally and for churches. We're building a building, uh, this, it's going to seat 750 in those years. Are people going to come? Are they going to fill it up or is it going to work? Or am I leading a church into ruin, a disaster? There were a few who thought maybe that's what I was doing. Even if you, you know, yeah, I think you're leading us in too big a debt or whatever. Those always happen in conversation. That's the backyard, front yard kind of thing we're talking about there. And when it came time to actually lay the slab and the slab was done, nothing else had been built yet, just wide open place in a slab. I came out here about 1 o'clock in the morning, sat right about there on that slab, and I prayed th that night because I was anxious and a little bit afraid and worried and, you know, all that goes with that. Uh, and I sat there and I prayed, and as preachers pray, and uh, senior pastors pray a lot. Uh, I will tell you, Pastor David's prayer life has increased, has increased substantially, exponentially since he'd been senior pastor of First Methodist Mansfield in the last three years or two and a half, almost three years change a lot. We pray a lot because we know we're nothing. As the Bible verse says, only God is anything. We know we have control of nothing. We know we're pretty well helpless. We, we, can't, do, we, we can't make anything happen that we want. We just hope it. We hope you'll come to church. There's, you don't have to. We hope you'll give. We can't make you do that. We hope you'll buy into the vision that we cast. Hope you follow it with us. We can only ask. We hope that you'll join us in centering in God and Christ and the what's next. It always has to be for a church or a church lives in death instead of life. 
Our church is defined by what used to be instead of what is becoming, what will be, what's happening, and what's next. So I prayed that night a long time, and I prayed a prayer I'd never prayed before. I said, God, give us success. And I kind of heard God say to me in that conversation, about time you asked for that. Success being many things, people coming to Christ, people coming to church, people serving the world. You know what I'm talking about. And I prayed, God, give us success. About time you asked that. It's driven me now for many, many years, God, give us success. And I found out many years later that actually was a Bible verse in Proverbs that says, God, give us success. Because I wonder if it's in the Bible. Well, it is. And there are more than one place. God, give us success. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone here this morning. In the well, in the well cafe, here in Cornerstone. Thank you, God, for their presence today. Sing a song or hear a song song. Give an offering or celebrate generosity. Say a prayer. Sit next to someone or sit by ourselves. Thank you, God, for all that used to be. All that used to be that now is a little bit faded, a little bit less, maybe just simply dying and passing into the past. But, God, that's all right. It's what you're birthing today. It's what's next for this great church as it's called to serve the world in exponential ways. And I pray as you lead in that calling and we plant water to gather, this church does that, God, that, that you grant miraculous growth and God grant First Methodist Church, its pastors, its staff, its lay leaders, all of its members, visitors, guests, new and old, I pray you grant them success. And that prayer is in Jesus' name. Amen.